Hey everyone, welcome to the 29th episode of the Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Mashrur, and in today's episode, we talked about physics with my friend, Michael. So today we touched upon a whole lot of topics. I felt like this was a very cerebral and um, informative conversation that I had with Michael. We touched upon a whole array of topics, including topics of formal education, the biggest questions surrounding physics, how the universe began, open-mindedness in the context of science, and we ended the conversation on politics and how to overcome our individual biases when it comes to information. So this was a fantastic conversation. I think we touched up on a lot of deep subjects and I learned a lot throughout this conversation. I just listened a lot because Michael is a, a brilliant mind and I just had an incredible time uh, doing this show. I know it's been a while since the last upload and it's because I've been trying to figure out the direction of the show now. It's been a while since I started it so I would like to elevate it to as much as I can. I really love doing this and I want to put out my best work. So I have started a separate Instagram page for the podcast itself where I'll be uploading clips from the show on there so that people can digest it in tinier, more precise bites, I guess. So that will be up and you, everyone can follow that at the journey pod. I'll link it in the description. So if everyone can go and follow the show there, you'll be able to have access to miniature sized clips from the entire conversation and then those will be uploaded throughout the week so without any further delay please enjoy this episode hey michael hey Monsieur. how are you i'm good thank you for coming on the show man yeah thanks for having me i've uh listened to a few of your of your episodes and i really enjoyed listening to them thank you um i got into contact with you with uh with the first guest on the podcast actually is uh, zach he told me that mm-hmm. you're a super interesting guy to talk to and you know a lot about physics. And I thought like, okay, there hasn't been a single person on this show that has talked about physics before. Uh-huh. And also like, you know, I'm, I'm interested in all different types of conversations. So I was like, you know what? Let's give this a shot. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Zach and I and, and a few other of our friends have had uh, a lot of really interesting conversations over the years, uh, mm-hmm. ever since first year, right? That, that's when I met Zach. And... So yeah, I, I'm super excited to be here and I'm looking forward to our, our discussion. Can you just let the listeners know a little bit about your background in uh, in physics? Sure. Yeah, so I guess my my story is kind of uh, an unorthodox story of, of how I got interested in physics. I was a, a senior in, in high school in grade 12 and I'd applied to university um, for something completely different for sport management. Uh, a bunch of different universities for like sport management and I uh, got accepted to a few got rejected from from a few and then it wasn't until uh, about March of of 2015 that uh, I went on a graduate a graduation trip with my friends and then on the plane ride home from that graduation trip I watched uh, the movie Interstellar and there's a scene in that movie uh, maybe people, if people have, have seen it before, uh, there's a scene in that movie where uh, Matthew McConaughey and, and whoever else are on a planet and they leave their friend up in the space station and it's orbiting uh, the planet. And it's, it's something like one hour for them on the planet is seven years in the space station. So time was a little weird uh, uh, in, in that scene. And I thought to myself, there is no way that this is true. You know, this is so mind blowing. And so when I got home, I, I 
started to read up more about this thing called relativity mm -hmm. due to Einstein. And uh, it turns out that this was indeed very true. And, and, and that sort of got me really interested in the theory of relativity. And then I was led into quantum physics and learning all about that just from strictly from you know, reading popular science articles and, and watching YouTube videos. And I was hooked. So I decided to not go to sport management. And I had to go back to high school to do all physics and math and stuff. And then I applied, you know, to the university for physics and I got in and here I am. That's an incredible later. story, man. Um, I say that because yeah. like, we really underestimate the impact that popular popular culture can have on like your life right so for example you mentioned absolutely interstellar um i recently uh -huh. with queen's gambit i know a lot of people are playing chess for the first time or something like that you know uh -huh. they're pursuing chess because they saw, yeah. saw it be cool on like on like netflix where like people like yeah. me like, i've been playing chess for a while but then when we were in high school it was like a nerdy thing to do so then you got bullied for for playing chess but now yeah, it's <laughs> so yeah really now it's like main yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, popular science. Um, and just talking about, it, it's really talking about things from a different point of view and opening up people's eyes to the world in a way that they hadn't noticed it before from that point of view. And I think that's what really draw, drew me into the subject was, was like, I was, you know, just a regular guy living on earth having no idea about all these amazing things that the universe had to, to offer. And once you start going down this, this, this rabbit hole almost, it's difficult to get out because you're so fascinated by, by just the world and by nature. And um, yeah, that, that's, that, that's really um, my story, right? I was never, I was never good at math. I was never good. Uh, I think I took, a couple of biology classes in, in high school. And so I really had to buckle down and, and, and start learning math myself. And um, with a lot of hard work, I managed to find myself in the situation that I am now. No, that's really fascinating, man. And uh, props yeah. to you for figuring that out. You know, a lot of us, we feel lost. And, you know, like movies are like, speaking of Christopher Nolan, speaking of your, of your story, you know, recently he made, a, he released a Tenet on uh okay. and i don't know if you've seen the movie or not but it it like messes with the idea of time um and yeah, I, think, I haven't i haven't seen it yet i think i think a few people have mentioned it to me and i and it's definitely on my list uh mm -hmm. i mean like you should probably i had to watch it four times to understand <laughs> <laughs> to, okay to understand okay. it like the last time i watched it i sat down with like a notebook and i was taking notes like i had to figure out uh, it was wow. a, it was a whole process. Um, yeah, it's it's very confusing. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. Um, it's it sounds like a, a lot like Interstellar at the end of Interstellar when right. Yeah. Everything goes haywire. Ooh, I'll have to check that out. Okay. Oh no, I think okay. Christopher Nolan's always fixated, and like I, I love his movies to to be inspired. Like recently, like I watched the mm -hmm. Dark Knight trilogy, and as I was watching it, I realized like. Uh, a lot of the, when you're when you're a kid and you watch movies like this it's like oh yeah it's cool it's batman and uh yeah. you know like he's fighting he's powerful that's what you get out of the movie right but then yeah coming exactly back to watch it as like an adult um like the all three movies i realized the entire rise of batman or the story was very uh, archetypal dark knight rises you uh -huh. know that scene where he like climbs i don't know if you've seen the movies but um 
a long time ago. A long time ago. There's one scene where he's like climbing. Bruce Wayne is like put into this prison. And spoiler alert, you know, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> get four or 15 seconds or something. But um, he's trying to climb out of this this well, right? It's like a prison. Yeah. He's trying to climb out. And um, he keeps falling. So he's like, he goes once, he goes twice. And then the first mm-hmm. two times he has a harness, right? Yeah. And the third time when he climbs up, he doesn't have a harness and he's like all in basically. And he jumps out mm-hmm. and he reaches finally and he makes 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 it out of the, the prison. The, yeah. So I was like, metaphorically, if I look at that story, it's it's like this is like, you know, he got he he fell down twice and his third try he like leapt out of it, right? So it's that yeah. sort of resilience story of like trying again. So like you take out these uh great like I guess ideas out of these movies now as an adult whereas a kid you'll be fascinated by like the you know the pyram the 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 superhero aspect of it you know exactly yeah that's that's interesting isn't it i find it really fascinating that you know i guess it's i guess it's all about learning more about how the world works that Mm -hmm. shift in mindset from when you're a kid to now when you start making these different connections i guess it's due it's due to just you know, more information, collecting more information about how the world works, you know? And and that's that's fascinating to me. And I think as humans too, we just have these stories that keep reoccurring. Like I think the biblical stories, the Abrahamic mm-hmm. stories, the Hindu stories, all these stories that, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, I'm a nerd when it comes to like mythology. So like, I love Greek mythology. I love, you know, uh, yeah. Roman mythology, Egyptian mythology. And these stories keep coming back over and over and over again. So there's some common mm-hmm. thread that's holding humanities philosophies together you know of like triumph of disaster of sacrifice of you know love death yeah yeah one, one of my favorites so i've i've recently um just listening to different different podcasts myself uh started to learn a little bit about mythology and 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 specifically greek, greek mythology one of the stories was have you heard of uh the myth of sisyphus yep yep of course yeah. yeah. So, so that story, you know, for, I guess for people who don't know, Sisyphus was this trickster uh, who cheated death twice. And, and so Zeus punished him by, I guess, banishing him down to the underworld. And his punishment was he had to carry a big boulder up a mountain for eternity. And every time he got to the top of the mountain, the boulder would, would fall back down and he had to, he had to do it all over again uh, for, forever. And that, that story really, it was like you were saying, like you make connections, you know, when, when you're an adult, uh, like, like that story really just signifies to me that life, life is a struggle, right? And you have to be okay with that struggle. Even, even if it keeps coming, it keeps coming. That's just what life is. Right. And then eventually you'll, you'll, you'll get out and become free of, of this of this struggle well maybe not i mean i mean life everything you do in life will inevitably lead to some sort of suffering i think mm-hmm. you know like you fall in love with with somebody you get married eventually that person is going to pass away or you're going to pass away so right. all, all, you know the most love is one of the most beautiful things and even that leads to suffering you know everything is is fleeting and that's something we have to come into terms with right um yeah. even it's entropy right like we're Ooh, just 
<laughs> That's a buzzword right there. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. A little, little physics already in there. I like it. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, even time is moving in, in one direction. Everything yeah. is, you know, we're aging. I see my parents aging now, too. Like, and sometimes I wonder, like, I was a little kid. And, you know, mm-hmm. I was so dependent on, on my parents. And now, all of a sudden, like, I got this full beard and my hairline's yeah. receding. You know, like, <laughs> the the entire, like, I can see myself becoming more of who I am, who I want to be in a, yeah. in a positive note. But at the same time, I recognize that um, a lot of who I was had to die in that process in order for me to be where I am now. And in terms of suffering, like I've also recognized that it's like an internal state of mind. External problems are always going to be at your door. Like if you think once I get there, I will be happy. You're in for a treat. Like it's going to be a long ride. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also think though, and, and maybe this is just the scientist in me, we can't lose too much of our childlike wonder when we grow mm. up you know carl sagan famous scientist used to say there's something terribly wrong that happens from the time we're in kindergarten to the time we're in 12th grade whereas you know ki- kids in kindergarten are so um uh they, they ask a lot of really deep questions about the world they're very curious about the world you know, why is the grass green? Why is the sky blue? And then, you know, you, you, you go through your education and you hit grade 12 and suddenly, all, you know, these kids in grade 12, you go and you ask them, are you curious about this thing? And, and they say, well, no, I just want to hang with my friends or do this. Or, you know, they lose that curiosity. And I think it's important that we don't lose our curiosity um, because our curiosity is what I think makes us human right, right? and what separates us from maybe not separates us. Cause I guess animals are very curious themselves, but the very fact that we can answer these questions that we have about nature and about the universe, I think is what separates us from, you know, animals, right. They're curious, but they, they, they don't have, the tools, as far as we know, maybe they have some extra tools that we don't know about. Um, but as far as we know, they, they don't have the, the proper tools to be able to actually answer deep questions about the universe or as we right. do. Right. You know? And I think that's, um, that's like a double-edged sword too, because a lot of the times you can like bury yourself within these questions and spend an entire lifetime. Uh, I mean, yeah. oftentimes like chasing misery as well, because some of these unanswered questions are very difficult to solve. Um, especially exactly. if you're looking at the philosophical, uh, you know, questions or deeper questions towards like, you know, like, like you said, curiosity is something that I, I feel like, and this is obviously my opinion. Uh, I'm no, I'm no like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, expert <laughs> on this topic, but I, I do feel like yeah. the school systems can oftentimes beat that out of kids because you're supposed to like sit down at a desk Absolutely. and every Absolutely. child is supposed to learn the same, same way, which doesn't make any sense at all. Like yeah. I remember I'm a very, uh, like I, I learn well with like audio and, and visual stuff. So like I'm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a good learner for mu- uh, movies. I like listening to music and podcasts. Like I, I listen to yeah. audiobooks a lot more than I read them just because I retain more information in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but for example, that wasn't offered to me when while I was in school. It was always like, yeah, like do your homework. This is how the yeah. world works. You have to do these <laughs> readings. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
right? There, there's some, and, and look, I, I don't have a good alternative to that. That's the problem. Right. There's, there's so, there's so many kids that it's, it's hard to individualize education. Um, but at the same time, we must not place so much, um, emphasis on uh, the school system and, and on going to university. I think university and, and the education system that you know, society has built up is a scam mm-hmm. because I can go, at least, at least in today's world, right? Elaborate I can go on. A lot of people are getting heated. <laughs> well, well, look, I, I've just paid north of you know, 20 grand, 30 grand for an education that I could have gone on the internet and taken a whole bunch of classes to learn right. the exact same things that I, that I learned. For like almost for example, free, probably. Exactly. For, for example, I'm right now uh, doing a course from MIT, mm. right? Strictly, completely online. The lectures were filmed. You go watch the lectures by the professor. He uploads, you know, the problem sets for, for those lectures. You do the problem sets. You, and you and you and you learn as, as if I was going to MIT, mm-hmm. right? So, people. I I often ask, like my my parents and stuff, like if if I was a business owner, right, and I needed somebody, um, for for coding, let's say, to code something. Am I am I going to hire somebody strictly based on the fact that they graduated from Harvard, let's say? Right. Well, well, I. If the guy who graduated from Harvard is a worse coder than the guy who taught himself how to code, then I'm going to hire the guy who didn't go to Harvard, right? Right. right. So, so I'm not saying there's no value in education. There is. I'm just saying that people seem to place too, way too much emphasis on you got to go to university, you got to go to college. You know, look, it depends on what you want to do. You, you right. want to become a medical doctor. You've got to go through those things. But you don't have to. It depends on what you want to do, right? I 100% agree with you on that uh, on that front. Just because I also think in our society, we value, you know, people are getting more and more, quote unquote, educated. Like I have a degree sitting in my drawer right mm. now, right? It's not doing much. It's just there. Yeah. Um, and like you yeah. said, I also spend somewhere around 20 to 30 grand uh, for my degree that it took me five years to acquire, right? Um, Mm -hmm. So during this time, like I I feel like every single person that I've talked to recently has, uh, has, you know, entertained these ideas, right? So our society puts a lot of pressure on economic growth. And when you're in the system, you're discouraged, you're, you're encouraged to be a really good worker, like you, you can be an excellent employee because you know how to follow mm-hmm. rules. Like you know how to do assignments on time. You know how to yeah. do uh, all these other things. But like, I feel like very few courses in my undergrad actually promoted free thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Especially within the sciences, which is like, sounds weird because they're like, oh, we already know everything. So like, mm-hmm. there's no point. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this is just an introductory <laughs> course. This is like what we're telling you. And this is the truth, right? And you kind of go on yeah. and you think, okay, like I got to hand in this assignment. I got to get this 90. Then this course is over. And then you forget everything you've learned basically throughout exactly. the period. So exactly. I do that, not know. That, and that's why, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, like, I do not know the efficacy of having like a formal education in terms of like, just like, 
the amount of time that you spend learning the things like a lot of the times most of the times i want to say like your job doesn't really have anything to do with like your uh, undergrad or your right. uh, your degree right yeah no no for for sure again it depends on what you want to do with your life you know if you want to become an engineer okay you got to go and learn physics and you got to at least have that base uh knowledge of of physics and newton's laws and stuff even though i might add that newton's laws are wrong fundamentally but what? uh basically everything you uh, uh, all the physics that you learn in your first three years let's say is, is is wrong but okay we can discuss that a little more later um but right. yeah no you, you you do need a base knowledge of physics if you want to become an engineer or biology if you want to become a doctor or anything else right so so there is value in those courses where you just have to know things for to do well on a test but again like you said and i completely agree with you they're not really teaching people how to think mm -hmm. and how to think outside of the box and how to problem solve they're just teaching people solely to do well on a on a test and right? you can kind of cheat that system because i, I feel mm -hmm. like at least for me by my fourth year i was pretty good at taking tests just because i under yeah. how to take tests <laughs> so right no, nobody's gonna become a professional test taker though you know right right yeah um so it, it's really all about yeah you get you gain a whole bunch of knowledge in whatever degree that you decide to do which is great i i think knowledge is wonderful Mm -hmm. um yeah but then schools have to place a little bit more emphasis on asking questions than just knowing answers right i'll give you a really good example of this like my my brother he's a nine right and when he was in the first mm -hmm. grade uh, i was teaching him how to like read time from a clock okay yeah. right like analog time and yeah he did it and he like understood the concepts, but then he asked me a really important question. He's like, why do I need to know this? Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, this is in your curriculum. Like it's in your books. Like this is what you're learning in class. And he's like, I could just look at like a digital watch or like I could look at my iPad and I know the time. Why do I need to learn how to read the time like this? And I realized yeah. like, yeah, that's kind of true. Like, why does he need to learn how to read time like this? <laughs> like, it's like, we don't write in cursive yeah, anymore. Yeah. You know, we don't uh... exactly. Yeah, yeah, we. Yeah, that's an interesting question. It's it's sort of like when people say, "Oh, why do I need to learn math?" Right? Mm -hmm. And look, look, like nobody is really going to be in their job trying to do calculus all day. Maybe except for physicists, theoretical <laughs> physicists. Yeah uh because that's basically all i do um <laughs> but but for the vast majority of people yeah like that's a valid question why do you need to know what a parabola is why aren't they teaching kids in high school how to do taxes how to or buy like a how to invest in stocks or you know how finances. to invest in stocks yeah. these are th th these are core things to know when you become a full-fledged adult and it's weird to me that people don't learn this stuff in high school or even university. Mm -hmm. It depends on what courses you take again. Um, right. 
you know? So yeah, it, in summary, I think the education <laughs> system sucks. <laughs> no, there's definitely lo- lots of room for uh, improvement. I would, I will say though, in my, yeah. like I was, yeah. I, I don't know where you grew up, but I grew up in Toronto. Um, and uh, I grew up in uh, a town called Aurora. It's about, I know where Aurora is. 30 yeah. Minutes, yeah. 30 minutes uh, nor- north of Toronto. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, but like, I, I would say like I was educated in the public system and by grade mm-hmm. 12, I had a, I had a teacher, Miss Tevlin. Um, and she was my physics teacher and shout out to Miss Tevlin. Um, shout out to Miss Tevlin. But she was very <laughs> unconventional in the, in her approach to, to teaching us, which I think was the reason why I think the quality of education that I received from her was like high end. And she's been teaching at the school at Danforth Tech, uh, collegiate institute for a long time and mm-hmm. uh she also works with waterloo and the perimeters institute uh in in, in Waterloo. oh wow yeah nice um i haven't been in contact with her for like in five or six years but i do still remember like her approach towards quantum physics her like every class would start with like experiments that you do just to understand the concept okay. right so yeah. like yeah you know to understand uh gravity I, I remember like she held out like stretched out this piece of fabric and then put a bowling ball in the middle right nice to nice. kind of illustrate you know, the properties. wow yeah she was like wow uh, that's a- we did a lot, a lot of those double split uh, experiments uh with light we did yeah. a lot a lot of work with waves and um it's just yeah. stuff like that like even though i did poorly in that class because i was mm. not good at problem solving in that way because that was the first time it wasn't like read a yeah. book and then solve these problems yeah yes is gonna be like this this exactly. one you actually have to think Right. It's a vastly different course than all the other um, uh, high school courses that you would take. Yeah, exactly. So even though I did really well in like grade 11 physics, which was like Newtonian, mostly Newtonian physics and mostly like stuff that is very, uh, I guess, you know, plug and chug. Like you just, you have, oh, you yeah. have equations yeah. and you just plug it in and everyone's happy. You get a nice answer at the end. Yeah. <laughs> or you get something or you get something like, oh, the mass of the earth is is one kilogram, something like really uh off. And you're like, where oh, where did I go wrong? I'm like, what is right, right. all flustered? But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's just interesting, like with different teachers, they take different approaches. And that's why I think teaching is such an important, important job. Like you're mold- literally molding the future. Yeah. You know. It it seems to me like like I didn't, I didn't do any of those things in my grade 12 physics class. So if you're, if you're doing quantum mechanics, if you're doing, uh, talking about general relativity, which is that cheat thing that you're describing, right. uh, Einstein's theory of gravity. That's, that's amazing. Shout out to Miss Tefla. Wow. That, yeah. that, that's incredible. Um, cause it's, yeah, those are really, really difficult concepts to teach at the high school level. Um, so yeah, that's real. That's really impressive. But but that's also partly the reason why I want to um, continue in academia is because I love teaching, right? And um, to be able to maybe one day become a, a professor that that would be amazing. Yeah, t- teachers are definitely, I would say, undervalued mm-hmm. in in society today. And, and, and I don't know, I don't know why that is. 
um, because they really do shape the future. And, and, you know, having a good teacher, it can, can make or break whether you um, succeed or not. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a physics teacher, let's say who, who just read from the textbook and said, here are your problems, go solve the problems, you know, without, with, with no passion, with no, with no motivation or for wanting to explain things in a way that the students will understand. The students are not, are going to be very turned off from physics. Right. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you have a teacher, like it sounds like Ms. Teflin was, was a wonderful teacher. You have a teacher like that who's really passionate about the subject uh, and explains it in a way such that you, you can maybe understand it a little bit better uh, than if other teachers explain it to you. Well, that's, that will turn you on to the subject in a very different way. It'll make you want to know more. And, it, and, and it's precisely that, the, the drive to understand more about any subject, I think is the mark of a good teacher. If they make you start questioning things that are in the subject and say, wait a minute, well, quantum physics is very weird compared to Newtonian physics. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me go investigate that more, right? That's the mark of a good teacher, right. making the right. students question, and digging even deeper into the subject. Right. Yeah. So. Right. No, I, for sure. Like, like I, I didn't value it as much when I was in grade 12 and when I was in her class, because I was just like basically not doing too well in that class and i was yeah. like you yeah. know um but it's yeah exactly not un until i was like in university did i realize like wow like she actually was passionate about what she was teaching and mm -hmm. a lot of people like that are engineers now a lot of people that are like you know that are doing incredible things in in life right now are were inspired by her you know so exactly exactly it's really important that you learn from somebody who is passionate about the subject. I had a professor in university who was really passionate about his research and about the subject that he was teaching. And it, it ended up sort of ch changing kind of the direction uh, that I want to research mm -hmm. just because of how passionate he was and about the subject and the way he explained things. Um, and yeah, I'm really grateful that I got the opportunity to be in his class. So, so what are like some of the bigger problems in mathematical physics that are still being addressed? And I know that's a very like vague question, but uh, I'm just saying, no, I'm no, just curious. No, it, it, yeah. So the holy grail of physics right now is there's, there's, two, there's two theories now, I should be precise. When I use the word theory, I'm not describing some mathematical construct that has never been tested before. Mm -hmm. The word theory in physics means, yes, the mathematical construction, but things that have already been experimentally verified. So we know that they're really true in nature. Okay, so the two theories that we know of at the moment that describe everything we know of in the universe 
that we can see, come back to that later, are general relativity, which has to do with gravity, right? The, the, the curvature of space and time, like that sheet that Ms. Teflin showed you, mm-hmm. um, and something called the standard model of particle physics. Okay, the stand, so, so as, as far as we can tell, there are four fundamental forces in nature that control everything. One of them is gravity. One of them is electromagnetism. Okay, so like light or you know like electricity flowing in wires. Uh, one of them is called the strong nuclear force, and the weak nuclear force. The strong force is the force that holds pro, um, nuclei together in atoms, and the weak nuclear force has to do with particle decay. Mm-hmm. So you know beta decay and, and alpha decay. Like that. Alpha decay. That's right. So. So these two theories separately describe the universe very, very well. Um, but the biggest question right now is how do these two things fit together? Mm. Right? They don't seem to want to fit together into one big theory, which is called quantum gravity, right? And so that's probably the biggest problem that physics theoretical physics is facing today. We have a few ideas of, um, of how to do it. One of them is called string theory. Now, in, in, in the case of string theory, I actually do mean a mathematical construct that has never produced any testable things right. uh, as far as we know. So string theory is not, as far as we know, true, the true description of, of the universe. There's that. There's something called loop quantum gravity that tries to do this. Um, but then there's also problems within the standard model of particle physics itself, mm-hmm. right? Two of the biggest problems there are we don't know what this, this thing called dark matter is. Okay, so there's, there's about, about um, 90% of the, of the mass in the universe we have no idea what it is. Right. I remember reading about this in uh, the book by Neil deGrasse Tyson, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Yeah. And he talks Wonderful about this, book. you know? Yeah. 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 So, so the only way we know it's there because we can see it's gravitational interaction mm-hmm. um, and, and the influence that it has on, on other stars and galaxies and stuff just through gravity. But we have no idea what it is. Um, and then, and then we, we also don't know what this thing called dark energy is. Mm-hmm. So that's this uh, mysterious thing. The universe is expanding, right? And in 1999, we discovered that it was actually speeding up mm-hmm. as it expands. Whereas before we thought, mm, okay, if it's expanding, then gravity should be pulling everything in. So it should be slowing down okay, as it expands. Okay. Because there's like more matter. Is that, is that why? Like you have more things. Yes. Gravity. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like, because there's matter in the universe, matter is gravitationally attractive to all the other matter. Mm -hmm. And so we would expect without, without any dark energy um, that the universe is slowing down because the, because everything wants to be pulled into everything else because of gravity. But the discovery was, no, it was actually speeding up. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what it is. We 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 have an we have 
a theory as to what we think it, it, it might be, which has to do with um, something called quantum field theory. So, so the description of, of what we call particles in nature is described by this thing called quantum field theory. It is the best tested theory ever in the history of science. Wow. So we know that we, we know that it's that it's really true. But when we try to apply quantum field theory to this problem of dark energy, we find uh, the worst prediction in the history of science. Which is? <laughs> we, find a we find a prediction. So when we do the calculation with quantum field theory. Mm -hmm. So I should, I, should say, I should say this. What, what do I mean by apply quantum field theory to the dark energy? Here's what I mean. Um, if you take away everything in the universe, okay, all the stars, planets, galaxies, particles, everything, and you're just there in the blackness of space, the emptiness of space. Quantum field theory says there's still little quantum fluctuations. Mm. Little, little, you think of little particles popping in and out of existence. Wow. Strictly because of the rules of quantum physics, okay. Now, and and these this this contributes to uh, what we call vacuum energy. So this is the energy, uh, basically, of the vacuum of space. Right, it has some energy. Okay, so and it turns out if you if you say, okay, maybe dark energy, this thing that's that's driving the universe, uh, to be accelerating. Maybe that just comes from the vacuum energy of space, the energy right. where there are no planets, no stars, interstellar stuff. So when you try to do the calculation using quantum field theory, you end up getting an answer that is 120 orders of magnitude too great. So in other words, oh, okay. what we measure the vacuum energy to be is 120 orders of magnitude less than what our calculations say it should be so it doesn't account for 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 it it yeah so 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 we have no idea why it's so small why we measure it to be so small mm -hmm. when our calculations say it should be so big now if it was if it really was that big we wouldn't be here right now because you know the vacuum energy would prevent stars um, right, from right. forming and planets from forming but we don't have any explanation as to why it's so small. Mm -hmm. That's really the crux of the problem. And, and, and people uh, are thinking about that. Um, but yeah, the biggest problem right now, how does gravity come together with quantum physics and the standard model? Mm -hmm. We have no idea. We have no idea. That's very, very interesting, man. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that, that I want to pursue in my academic career. Um, and I'm sure you'll contribute to that cause, um, you know, throughout your life. Yeah, I, I, I did. Like I said, I did research when I was an undergrad and I ended up publishing um, a paper. And it was, yeah, it, it was pretty cool to do it. It wasn't the biggest paper, you know, it wasn't mm -hmm. to revolutionize our understanding of the universe, but it was still something. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, if you want to talk a little bit more of that, we can. 
Sure. Um, well, I just want to say, like, you know, understanding these concepts are from an outsider. Like, I have mm-hmm. my, like I mentioned, my background in physics is like I study for the MCAT for with the yeah. physics that I had with like you know kinematics uh, uh-huh. or whatever. Um, and yeah, then yeah. I have some ideas of like you know radiation decay, all these other concepts uh, in, in physics and. Um, yeah. But from an outsider, I know like for sure that you know the advent of the internet and a lot of these cool, popular, I guess, pop culture things that are going on around. A lot of people are interested in these topics, so that's why like the yeah. Neil Tyson is like a pretty prominent figure within this within this uh, segment of of uh, sciences yeah. because of astrophysics being being more popular popularized as it should be <laughs> <laughs> because of I think that curiosity that you know a lot of times we lose it because of um um you know just say city lights right if you live in a if you live in a big city you yeah. don't get to see the stars exactly so exactly. we are being robbed of like probably the the most beautiful light show in the in the universe you know yeah um, because of absolutely. lights absolutely Ab- absolutely this is in some sense um like theoretical physics fundamental theoretical physics um, and astrophysics and all that is is really, I think, the most human thing you could you could possibly do because mm. it's it's trying to understand like what what does all of this mean? Right. You right. know, we're on a ball. Half of us are upside down. On Why are ball. we not falling off? In... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the Earth is flat. We don't know. No, hey, man. it's not flat. <laughs> Dinosaur God, Earth theory. <laughs> No, but like, <laughs> oh, brother. Um, <laughs> well, you're telling me you can't walk uh, up no. here. Like, <laughs> so you like fall off the edge or can, can you not follow the edge? <laughs> oh, man. Wild. Um, no, but I was just saying. take that clip like... and make you like a flat earther. <laughs> oh, scientist says Earth is flat. No, no. It's not. Oh, man. Wild, yeah. People really still believe that the Earth is flat. This is this is weird to me. I don't understand. Do you know how that came um, to be? But anyway, well, people have always look. If this was the if this was the 16th century, then yes, of course, from a person's point of view who doesn't have access to the things we have access to, right? Who doesn't understand anything about geometry and 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 how gravity works then yeah you look outside and you can naively see it looks pretty flat mm-hmm. right but that's just because we're so small and the earth is so big see like the um, observations so, have always been there but like the reasons behind why things happen have have evolved with time and resources yeah yeah exactly i think i think also a part of it is people some people at least want to know something that all the other people don't. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you can say, yeah, man, I think NASA is lying to us. I think <laughs> uh, the earth is flat. I think uh, there's a giant ice wall at the edge of the, right, right. the flat earth. Like that's true. And everybody else is lying. Like this is how people get bogged down into conspiracy theories. They want to know, I want a feeling that they know something other people don't. And it's kind of ironic because you live in a time when there's so much information 
that like i remember growing yeah. up uh like i grew up i spent half my life in bangladesh it's a pretty it's a developing country and uh mm-hmm. i didn't have internet for a while in, in like the early 2000s and i remember my dad used to buy me like these encyclopedias that were like you know volumes of encyclopedias from britannica and like yeah. dk or whatever and i would just read everything because i was so that's that's like the only resource i had and even oh. i knew from that from that early age that you know there's like galaxies there's like planets there's like so much yeah. cool stuff that's going on around the universe that you know so many yeah. people can study and this is when pluto used to be a planet you know like this is when <laughs> like <laughs> this was like a while ago but it's just yeah. surprising to me that now that you have you like literally uh your cell phone is like a billion times more powerful than the computer that sent people to the moon but you're still mm-hmm. in denial of like a lot of these things that you can observe you know so exactly and and the funny yeah the funny thing is like they'll they'll say all of these things they're just flat physics is wrong that that, that and then they'll pull out their iphone Mm-hmm. and use physics <laughs> right <laughs> like right, right. it it's it's just strange a- well, a- anyway um yeah no i was just gonna say physics it, yeah it's the most fundamental thing that that you can do in some sense because it's the closest thing that we can get to uh of answering the question who are we why are we here what is the universe made out of how did the universe begin these are, at least in my mind, core, really important questions. How do you think the universe began? Like, what's like the consensus in within the community, or is there a consensus? From observational data, um, and partially theoretical calculations, we think the universe began with the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, very hot and dense. Uh, everything was really compactified into this little thing. There is no explosion, though. There's, it, there's a theory also called inflation that says the universe basically puffed up really, really fast mm-hmm. at the really early moments. Um, so we have a decent understanding of the history of the universe all the way back to um, very, very close to the actual beginning. Wow. Now, the, the, the problem is, and this is something that quantum gravity is hoping to address, is that all of our calculations, uh, at least theoretically, don't take into account quantum mechanics. They're all classical calculations mm-hmm. um, made made by uh, uh, u- using Einstein's theory of gravity. Okay, so the question is: Do we trust those classical calculations without taking into account quantum mechanics? Because maybe right. if we take into account quantum mechanics, you something get a different, different answer. will happen. Maybe yeah. the universe was still around before what we call the Big Bang. Right, right. When we right. take into account quantum mechanics, right? Um, so, so we really don't know. We really don't know how the universe fundamentally began. All we can say is, yeah, we have data going back all the way to just after the Big Bang. Is there supposed start? Is there like room for ignoramus in the sense that is is there room for 
um, changing what we know. You know, like for example, like you know, as more information comes in, and mm-hmm. I, I say this because um, I feel like at least in academia, a lot of the sciences have become dogmatic, where like you have to think a certain type of way. And this is like I bring this up because in you know, in respect to maybe aliens, maybe in respect to like a lot of things that we still do not know, right? Or we cannot we cannot know at this yeah. point. Um, do you feel like mm-hmm. there is space for like say redacting ideas, like say like oh wait we're wrong here. So maybe this is a more accurate representation of what what happened, and we take back all the all the things mm-hmm. that we said about the previous theory. I think everybody, especially in academia, um, everybody has to be a little bit more open minded to new ideas and open minded to being wrong about previously what we previously thought the universe might be or some phenomenon in the universe Mm -hmm. um but i i I will i will say for experimentally verified things uh they're experimentally verified right like you can know you won't you won't do another experiment um that has to do with quantum physics that has to do with gravity relativity that will disprove the theory because it's already been tested to be true right right now now there there is room that there is areas of gravity relativity that we know the theory doesn't apply for example in the in the center of black holes the equations don't make sense in the center of black holes the equations don't make sense at the beginning of the universe Mm -hmm. right so these these are indications that we need something new like there's still a gap in the knowledge than, there. There's still a gap in the knowledge, right? But whatever this, whatever fills this gap in the knowledge, has to reproduce everything that we already know about general mm, relativity that has been tested, right? Right. Exactly. So, so I'll I'll give you I'll give you an example of this. If you take Newton's equations that you learn in high school and you learn in uh, in first year physics, um. And you ask, how do these equations behave as you as somebody moves really, really fast, close to the speed of light? The equations don't make sense. Mm-hmm. The equations break down, so you need something. You need something new. Einstein came along and gave us relativity. Ah, so these equations now make sense as you go really close to the speed of light. But if you put in slow-moving objects into einstein's equations for relativity you get newton's equations right 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 right? because he has to he has to encapsulate newton's theory and also make contact with the things that newton's theory doesn't address right right that's brilliant so so that's really the core at least in theoretical physics of what we of how we sort of um, address problems. That's right? really problem interesting. Yeah. yeah. And again, one of the problems, for example, in something called loop quantum gravity, there's problems with trying to get the physics out that we already know out of that theory. That's one of the problems with that theory. So that's really what physics is all about. I think that's really what science is all about. Mm-hmm. I just think that's like that's something a- that, that has been... Um... 
I don't know if it's like the applied health sciences uh, that I was part of in in uh, my undergrad that I felt like there was a lack of curiosity towards like what is next and what we can do in the future mm-hmm. um, type of idea yeah. because um, a lot of at least this is I, I feel like the I the ideal science scientist is also a philosopher right the ideal wow. scientist is also someone who's very curious about these deeper questions that cannot be answered by yeah. whatever observable thing that they have in front of them at the moment right yeah um, like even if, if you look at biology which is basically I guess a lot of my uh, which is what a lot of my major covered like physiology and anatomy there's questions about like you know mortality there's questions about extending life medicalization of life there's questions about like you know if we are able to like uh, save our brains for example and then move it onwards to another physical body what are the you know what are the potential ideas there what are the potential outcomes there you know can we become immortal yeah. by 2050 you know these these are like questions that I think, should be within everyone's like i mean i shouldn't say should be but like if you're curious about the field then you should have some form of deeper connection and naivete and curiosity towards uh, towards that specific field but i find that a lot of times within university circles that's kind of like yeah uh, memorize this this is a, this is a theory these are like the fundamentals and then it just stops there yeah I think this I think this goes back to just problems within academia where you have this this sort of um groupthink, right? Mm-hmm. And, and 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 maybe maybe not just the groupthink, but maybe uh it has to do with if you want a job in academia, the golden rule is you have to publish. Right. You have to right. publish, you have to publish. You're not gonna make it in academia if you don't publish. So, so I think people are falling into the trap of, well, let me just work on these questions that my supervisor gave me so I can publish stuff so I can get a job later in academia. Right. 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 This has, this also ties into the fact that um, academic departments are very uh, underfunded. Mm -hmm. Right. Look at how like, like look at all the people in graduate school who come through graduate school in in stem fields or in other fields and these people are going to shape the 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 future of our society and we're giving them crumbs (laughs) exactly (laughs) yes there's there's a divide so yeah yeah so so even professors professors these graduate students are not free to do these are not free to explore their curiosity to, to the fullest extent because one, they got to publish two they're They got to live, right. They, they, mm-hmm. they need money to live. And some, yeah. Um, I, I really think those, those problems are really need, need to be addressed if, if we want to um, expand our knowledge in, in a way that will benefit society. For sure. Um... Yeah. I think curiosity, like you mentioned, is not uh, not really well well paid if it's not in a certain a specific field that that is valued by, let's say, our society, right? So, uh, mm-hmm. research within the fields of like health, I understand, like obviously with this pandemic and everything that has gone uh, that has gone on, we've seen like the magic of not really the magic, but like you know the the efficacy, the hard work, and and like the determination and resilience of these scientists that came up with the vaccine in in such a short period of time. Yeah. 
all the interventions that we've had and all the everyone that has like you know helped save lives we see the we see the science working you know but exactly i think within like for me if i had the choice i would spend my entire life learning and getting paid to just learn you know like uh, if too. i could do that that would be incredible right yeah <laughs> um, yeah for sure but a lot of the times sure. like, like you mentioned like graduate students um i see a lot of them i work with a lot of them and uh, i worked in acad- academia for two three years uh, i did all my all my almost all my co-ops there um and nice. uh, the university of, of uh, calgary the medical school there and um oh yeah while i was there like it was fun in the sense that I got the opportunity to publish and just be more established within my rights of, of academia and whatnot. But also like I found that you cannot investigate something unless you have the funding for it. Right. Unless you exactly. want to do it for free. So <laughs> exactly. which is a huge barrier exactly. in, in learning. Exactly. And, and, and here's, here's what, um, here's what I'm, just, I don't even know the right word. Um, I'm curious about this, mm-hmm. at least from the physics point of view, okay? So like physics, look, not to single out physics, I am a physics guy, but you know, physics has given society everything, everything that we um, use in society is is based on theoretical physics and experimental physics. Right. Right. You would not be able to talk to me right now if it wasn't for somebody studying quantum mechanics in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have GPSs. We wouldn't have cars. We wouldn't have. So our entire society is built on people asking these curious questions about nature. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, for example, um, in the earliest, early 20th century, there's a guy called Max Planck. Right. Okay. Max Planck noticed that there is a problem in applying classical electromagnetic theory to something called black body radiation. Mm-hmm. Okay, black body radiation is when you heat like a metal up and it glows. That's what black body radiation is. When you when he tried to apply the theory to try to understand this phenomenon, he got nonsense answers. He got that the object should radiate infinite energy. Mm-hmm. That can't happen. Okay, so he was thinking about this. Again, it's only based on his curiosity, right? He ended up coming up with a solution to the problem. And the solution was, let's invent quantum mechanics. Right. Okay, right. so he invented quantum mechanics. And now quantum mechanics is um, the way society functions. Mm-hmm. right our phones are based on quantum mechanics your microphone is based on quantum mechanics everything so simply by his curiosity and trying to understand this this menial problem like who cares about this about this black body radiation like what somebody back then could have asked what significance does this have to society to understand this stupid little thing right but by understanding it he's now invented basically built our entire society right 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 right. so so and then and then so what frustrates me is is that when when academic departments scientific departments beg governments for money Mm -hmm. and the governments give them 
crumbs. Right. Well, no, because because our entire society is based on scientific in- endeavor. Like we shouldn't have to beg for money. Graduate students shouldn't have to, or professors maybe shouldn't have to beg for money to do their research. I think right? this is like a bigger problem in Canada than it is in the U.S. Just from my observations of like, well, basically just having more, uh, and and you know, this, you can get into the conversation about public education and get into the conversation about mm-hmm. subsidized education and what the pros and cons of that are. Just like how you can get into the you know the nitty gritty details of like social medicine or something like that. Right. In that in the sure, yeah. in the pursuit of technology in medicine, a lot of the times we get our growth uh, slowed down uh, north of the border because of mm-hmm. uh, certain you know structures that are put into place. Right. Like sure. if you change the uh, let's say the technology in one hospital, you have to do it across the entire country. And then that would cause a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I know a lot of uh, I have a few cousins down uh, down south and they keep telling me like, oh, yeah, like uh out in because there's there's so many different universities and colleges that you can apply to that oftentimes you can find a supervisor you can oftentimes find funding for you know and obviously like i'm simplifying it and i'm i'm drawing generalizations so i i understand that but yeah uh, just from like you know uh from like my personal experiences anecdotal experiences it mm. seems that uh like maybe because of money there's more uh incentive down south to pursue certain types of research yeah uh isn't that so that would be basically capitalism yeah right is it's incentivizing uh people economically to to produce a product that's better than competition exactly yep um I, f- I feel like that is a good way to run society for certain things. Right. Right. Um, I, I don't think that's good necessarily for something like healthcare. Right. Uh, because, and you see this in the States too, and we can, I don't know if you want to get into the political discussion, but like in the States you have for-profit health insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Uh who 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 are basically designed to make a profit right so if you have that then then they're not going to be looking out for the people they're going to be looking right. out for their own interests right, right right and this is healthcare we're talking about this is like people if you're sick and you have cancer or something then you want to be able to go and treat that and, and not be bankrupt or not be and not be and exactly and not not be bankrupted by by medical bills mm-hmm. so i think there are certain things where you want the capitalist approach but there are certain things where you want to for lack of a better word socialize things right okay and i think healthcare is one of them i think education is one of them Mm-hmm. I, I think the concept of of uh, uh, student loan debt is r- ridiculous in my point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true. Like I, I think a lot of the I think some of the countries in the in in Europe have, you know, uh, I guess eradicated the need for huge student loans 
and and debt um yeah. like i mean obviously I'm, I'm very grateful like in canada at least provides you with a lot of opportunities with like loans and stuff like that to to yeah. pursue an education anyone can potentially pursue an education in this country which is which is yeah. great um but oh, yeah it's, it's wonderful yeah like i understand all of that but i also like see the like right now i'm i'm in debt and i'm starting my life at, at like negative you know and uh, yeah. it is a lot of pressure to be able to like clear these things out and if you're not financially smart or financially like knowledgeable about how to go about or if you don't have a plan set on how to go about this issue then it might drag on longer than you would like it to and then that could create potentially create more problems as well like interest and, and whatnot yeah exactly it's not like these things are so egregious that they can't be addressed right like i i don't i don't particularly follow canadian politics that much mm -hmm. i follow more u.s politics because that's what's cool right now a right? More, a little more <laughs> interesting a little more interesting than canadian politics but like um if you just look at how much student if you can eliminate student loan debt in, in, in the United States, it costs about $60 billion mm -hmm. to do that. There were some studies that came out. If you just look at the military increase, increase, just the increase in the military budget of the U.S., it was $80 billion. Right, right. right. No, and, and nobody comes out because when you come out and you say, I want to eliminate student loan debt, people say, how are you going to pay for it? this, that, that? What do you mean? Nobody said anything when you increase the military budget by $80 right, billion. Right, right. You know? So, look, the whole society, look, the U.S. system is broken. We had a situation in Alberta uh, where, like, $1.5 billion of taxpayer money was spent on a Keystone pipeline. So, mm -hmm. and it was supposed to, like, the idea, I don't know why. Um, I'm, I live in Alberta. I'm an Albertan, but... This province mm -hmm. seems to be stuck in the in the 70s in terms of like the resources that they want to invest in. They haven't diversified their economy as much yeah. as they could have with the amount of wealth that they acquired over the past 40 years. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of, it's disheartening because like that $1.5 billion of taxpayer money, like the, the pipeline got canceled as soon as Biden became, became president, like literally three hours yeah. into his presidency. 1.5 billion dollars yeah, down day. the drain yeah yeah and uh yeah. it makes you wonder and, and like obviously the government was voted in this was a democracy like they didn't you know people wanted this guy in but yeah you you have to wonder about that that 1.5 billion dollars could have been spent on education hospitals um a bunch of other i think more in my opinion valuable pursuits or even diversifying the economy maybe get like more tech industry uh, in here, maybe get like something that is within maybe invest in sustainable energy. That's also a possibility oh. that everyone else seems to be moving towards. Like even Shell, GM, all these big companies are moving away from oil and gas and moving towards yeah. uh, more sustainable energy, right? Like electricity and solar and whatnot. So it was just disheartening to have that loss within the province. Yeah. And that's not like, yeah. I don't know too much about the, the Keystone pipeline. But just just building on what, what you just said about investing in these sort of green uh, and renewable energy, it, it seems to me like that's the future. So why wouldn't you be investing in that, right? It's like it's like 
you know, when people first discovered that you can use oil to create a whole bunch of different things, to use it for a whole bunch of different things, I'm sure there's a lot of investments into oil because that was yeah. the future at that point. Look at the Middle East. Whereas look now, at, uh, you know, exactly, exactly. Look at, you know, Saudi Arabian oil. Or, well, yep. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, now we're coming to a point in history where uh, it's should be all about green and renewable energy. So people should invest more in that and governments in particular should invest more in that. Right. away from the so it's just it's just in my view it's just a natural progression right right and and these are serious topics to actually take into consideration i know there's like a lot of climate change deniers and and whoever like just like there's anti-vaxxers just like there's flat earthers um they sure. will exist at all at, at any given point but i just think that like even we were talking about capitalism before and like, you know, maybe some of the pros of capitalism would be like people are, there's more incentive to like come up with technology mm -hmm. that will, that will uh, allow for us to like grow and advance as a society or as a, as a race uh, of, of people. But I just think that uh, one of the biggest downfalls of capitalism, and maybe there's two that I know of, there's like, a, there's multiple, but I'm just going to like speak of like two that I know of that are very uh, immediate and apparent. One of them is a sustainability issue. I think if every single person on this planet had to live at the quality of life of the of an average U.S. citizen, then you would need seven Earths to produce that quality of life, which is yeah. not sustainable. We don't have seven Earths to destroy, you know, exactly. um, and reap the benefits out of. And the second thing I think is like your mental health is, uh, is at, at a disarray because now your entire like self value is is based upon your economic product or your economic growth so your status you know and everything else like if you don't make money then you're a loser basically that's like what the message is you know money has become yeah. the new religion so um exactly those are the two that things that pe i think people should address and they are addressing more so that's why whenever you have governments that are like going backwards like that's like okay uh it's not really fair towards like the future. It's not really fair towards the people that are going to have to lose $1.5 billion in taxpayer money now. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I just think the key, the key is, the key is that it, it seems like at least in the West, the leaders that are being elected are not, are only really looking out for the top 1% of, of wealthy people. Right. And they're not, they're not looking like, look at this whole COVID thing in the U S right. Uh, the whole stimulus, right. right these people right. in the U S these people in the U S like I, I read that there's going to be like 28 million people who are going to have to, uh, are basically going to become homeless. Right. When they, once they, uh, start allowing evictions again, these people can't pay the bills. Right. And, and, you know, if you look at the start of the pandemic, the, the, the Federal Reserve, I think, was dumping $4.5 trillion into the stock market, into the big corporations. Right, right. Right? A trillion dollars per day, helping those guys and, and nothing for, for um, the, the people. And so when, 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 you have, when you have a system that does, that, that does this, I think you're inevitably going to get people who do the things that they did on January 6th, for example. 
Right. Because they rec- right. Like, these people recognize, hey, the government is not looking out for me. They only care about the top 1%. Okay. And, and so screw it. I'm going to go and, and like, I'm not, and I want to be clear, I'm not, like, I'm not justifying that the violence. I, I think that was one of the worst days ever. Mm-hmm. But like, once you learn what the U.S. government does uh, at at home as well as overseas, when they go and they overthrow governments, right, willy nilly, right, right, because they're trying they to go, like, you know, spread freedom. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They go and invade countries that didn't attack them. Mm-hmm. These things, people see these things, and and something clicks in their mind and, and they say screw the government it's not helping me i'm going to go storm the capital right right so 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 i can understand why it happened it shouldn't have happened it was a terrible thing but the government all i'm saying is the government has to look out more for the people rather than i also think like uh with the advent of social media and uh, news spreading you know being sensationalized all the time like if someone is like this is going back to like the curiosity and open-mindedness that i that is that we were talking about earlier on in this conversation um for whatever reason as people get older they become more conservative with their thoughts and they 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 just want to stick to the way of life that they've been living uh, with for the past 45, 50 years with the advent of social media. I think um, a lot of the, a lot of the times when people see that the government's not working for them or even like, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of people that believe in conspiracies more and more. Now I think there's like a recent study that showed like in the past year, especially with the pandemic, you know, there's people saying that Dr. Fauci made this virus. There's people saying like Bill Gates made this virus, microchips, everything. Right. Um, And you know, 5G's causing, (laughs) <laughs> you know the virus or yeah. whatever um yeah but i think like because of these platforms like facebook and you know they have come to a fault where uh, the algorithm that they created is bringing these people together and creating larger and larger movements so i i feel exactly. like a lot of people that uh, stormed the capital truly believed that the election was rigged and they truly believed that you know trump was yeah. right you know no, yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Like, um, yeah, it, it it's tough to. Social media is is relatively new, mm-hmm. right? We've only really had social media for, like, I'm talking about like Twitter and Facebook and stuff. We really really only have had these things for about what fifteen years. Yeah, around fifteen years, something like that. that. Mm-hmm. So. I think we still, as a society, have to, like, we're still in the learning phase of how to actually use social media effectively. So when you're in the learning phase of something, you're going to make mistakes. And the mistakes at this point are, yeah, like YouTube algorithms uh, feeding you. Like if I click on a flat earth video. You get like 15 more flat earth YouTube algorithms starts giving me flat earth videos, start maybe giving me anti-vax videos, starts giving me conspiracies, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a big problem with with that and and with, uh, you know, same thing with Twitter, same thing with Facebook. You know, if you keep clicking on the the conspiracy stuff, you're going to get more and more. You're going to go down the rabbit hole. 
and then you're going to get people who who have these weird beliefs and 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 you and they're connected on 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 facebook so they can communicate with each other and form a group and say hey and it's literally we're just go do this orwellian echo chambers where it's like you just listen you just hear what exactly. you want to hear and uh, that and that that thing in society is very dangerous when you can't even if you hate your opposition right even if like say that it's always exactly. left versus right like if you listen to msnbc all they're talking about is trump and like how they hate him and then fox news is like always praising him so like there's people that are it, listening to the media and creating their own opinions based on what they're feeding themselves mainstream media is simply propaganda mm. right msnbc fox news cnn they're propaganda networks they are profiting off of polarizing topics yeah topics and people and framing the discussion in a black and white way right you right. Turn on, you, you turn on cnn it's all trump bad trump bad trump bad trump bad right okay cool. listen 99.9% of the things at least from my point of view trump did were bad mm-hmm. <laughs> like we get it but they never like you're never going to hear on cnn or msnbc um you know when obama bombed um like 90% of his drone strikes or his drone strikes killed 90% civilians civilians yeah yep. i think right? he has the highest number of civilian uh right. deaths um right. out of any he, pr- he, uh, president one of his drone strikes killed uh a us citizen right highly against the constitution violates it and he gets away with with doing that Well, right? because of so like how black do... and white they made it, right? Like because of like this is the it, good it, guy, exactly. this is the bad guy, this is a good team, bad team. <laughs> it, it, yeah, no, it, exactly. So, so they're not like mainstream media, and same thing with Fox News, right? Uh, for the Republican side, they're not giving you an objective. They're not giving you objective facts. They're giving you their opinion, and they're spinning it in such a way to make things more polarized, mm-hmm. right? And and I don't think fundamentally. that the divide is between left and right maybe on a few things on a few topics it is between left and right but the true divide i at least as i see it is between the establishment and the anti-establishment mm-hmm. right that's why that that's why you know i was a big bernie sanders guy and you know mainstream media basically destroyed Well, not just is, mainstream media. I think like the DNC as well had a part in taking stripping away like exactly. his credibility. The, the establishment, right? Right. The establishment, and and but the, the thing is that they want to control the conversation and and say things like, no, 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 it's the Republicans that are your enemy. It's yeah. not us. Right. Right. So I really think, and this goes back again to just employing the scientific method: ask questions and try to look at the evidence. Don't. always remain skeptical of things how how do you then like within the scientific context and within like what we just talked about how do you then remove your biases towards like ideas like even for someone like me who's i I, like consider myself extremely open-minded like i'll have a conversation about anything me too uh, because i don't i assume that there's more that i need to know than what i already know and that's just like the my underlying philosophy of life that way i don't become you know an insufferable asshole whenever i'm talking yeah. to people right <laughs> because no no yeah yeah exactly uh i think 
one is you have to consume media, like at least from my point of view, you have to look at both sides, mm-hmm. right? So if you're going to watch a left-wing media outlet, go and watch what a right-wing media outlet might say, right? You have to consume both sides. Now, you also have to look at, like there are objectively good things in the world, mm-hmm. right? I think giving people access to healthcare is an objectively good thing. Right. But more so, it's what the people want. 80% of the American people want access to free healthcare. Right. right. So, so if, if, if the US, US claims to be um, a representative democracy, right? If the politicians truly are representing the people, then they should have free healthcare because 80% of the people want free healthcare. But they're in bed with like the lobbyists and the people that are making donations to their campaigns. Absolutely. They're in bed with, with all, all the big pharmaceutical companies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at something like, like for-profit prisons, right? They're taking money from for-profit prisons. And that's then such a fucked more... up idea. Like that's literally slavery. It's, it, it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Like, the idea that prisons can can make money based on how many inmates they have. Yeah. There's there's something that people, you know, we just saw this past year, the the big um, protests about racial justice, which I think are a great thing. Um but there's like a, a like an issue where you could potentially win on that issue and help in a giant way mm-hmm. is ending these for-profit prisons because they're going to they they disproportionately target you know black individuals uh, black, or people black individuals. yeah i, I think yeah, also exactly. um like this was i think brett weinstein said this on the joe rogan podcast i hope i'm not butchering mm-hmm. his his words yeah. but like when he said this it kind of made a lot of sense to me so i think maybe i should say it on the podcast too um, so he was talking about mass inca- incarcerations and and areas of higher incarceration rates right and it happened to be in like these black communities where the males were being incarcerated at a higher rate for like more petty crimes, for example, like possession or, or, or whatever, right? Um, and so he was talking about from the evolutionary perspective in any given um, species, when you have, when you take away males from that species, the remaining males have higher value in the sexual market. So they have, they are able to, because there's less of them, and then there's still the same amount of women in that same species, right? Um, and what ha- ends up happening in this situation? So say like government intervenes and takes away the meals and locks them up in prison, right? Yeah. So then you already, like the children that are already there are growing up without a father because their father has been taken away. And we're talking about just, let's say men in this situation, right? Sure, sure. Um, so then within these within these populations the men that are remaining become extremely promiscuous because they can be right as their yeah. their value their value in the sexual market increases they're able to you know meet more women whatever and just like uh pro, like, reproduce more let's say right or like have yeah. fun be promiscuous with their with their activities and then what happens is like men that have higher value in these like and i'm speaking in just general biological terms right sure um they don't want to stick around 
right? Because they want to move on to the next, mm-hmm. you know, next promiscuous, whatever, next relationship. So then you have another generation of men and women, uh, children growing up without fathers, right? And then incarceration yeah, happens yeah. again, right? Because these these boys are, and girls, exactly, the cycle keeps continuing because these boys and girls are like now partaking mm-hmm. in, let's say, more uh, quote-unquote illegal activities, right? Because of lack of guidance, because of whatever reason, like, you know, single parent household. Uh, and so broken homes create more broken homes, create more broken homes. And it's all because of like the, like clearly some really intense interventions that have that, like that is yeah. creating intergenerational trauma over and over again, since like the, you know, the Jim Crow days and even earlier than that. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. That's interesting. I, I, like I've I, never looked I at it through the lens, you know, and I, I recommend yeah, it. Yeah. Watch it evolutionary. I, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, there's a, a lot of problems to be addressed. And I think, I think people uh, need to have more of an open mind uh, value conversation more mm-hmm. and 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 recognize that it's it on some things yes there's a divide between left and right um, but the real divide is 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 the establishment versus the anti-establishment right right and and they're just not the politicians are not representing the people as they should mm-hmm. be right um and and this is how this is how somebody like like a figure like donald trump comes up is that people begin to realize hey these people are not representing me this guy just talking about draining the swamp this guy's talking (laughs) about draining the swamp this guy's talking about oh i'm going to bring jobs back to america even though in his first year he had more job uh losses in the u.s Mm -hmm. job outsourced jobs than obama did in his last year of office so, so yes, Donald Trump in his in his in his words, he was against the establishment. But in his actions, ninety nine percent of what he did was pro establishment. He's just a dick anyway. So, <laughs> right, like, um, yeah. But you can't Donald, lie. Like Twitter was like extremely entertaining with with Don Don Donny T on it. You know, <laughs> it was entertaining. You know, it, it was entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Um, Hopefully the new, like Biden and Kamala Harris, I, ho- I hope they, they change some things and I hope they succeed um, in, in just helping people. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, man, I really do. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you I for mean, having me. We're a little bit past like an hour and a half, but I think like I got really into that conversation, so... I want to keep going. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed it a lot. You know, um, and you're more than welcome. I'm so glad we got connected. Uh, and you're more than yeah. welcome to come back and talk more physics and whatever else you would like to talk about uh, on the show. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super excited uh, for our next conversation. I yeah, it's gonna be cool. It's yeah. this is definitely was a, a conversation where like I listened a lot and I learned a lot. And oftentimes yeah. I, I try to actively listen, but sometimes I get in my head about talking more and put it, getting my mm-hmm. point across, but I'm glad that you got me to shut up and listen. And 
Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate that as well. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I had a really fun time. Thank you. And hey, and, and hey, can I can I just plug something real quick? Yeah, plug whatever you want, please. Um, I'm actually I'm actually starting a podcast myself with with one of my friends called the Curious Matter Podcast. That's awesome. So we haven't released anything yet, but uh, uh, we should really release something soon. So where can people find it? I think people will be able to find it on Spotify. Um, we have to work out the details. It's still very, really, really new. Um, but it's basically going to be all about science, philosophy, religion, um, a- anything that we're really curious about. Music. Uh, yeah. So. No, for sure, man. If you need any help with like setting it up or anything, just let me know. Like, you know, I've just, Thanks. Uh, like I know the nitty gritty details of like getting things started, but yeah, it's fairly easy. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot.